All right, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Pastor Eli James here. This is Eurofolk Radio. Today is June 24th, 2023, uh, two days after the summer solstice, uh, longest and uh, well, so far one of the hottest days of the year. And um, at, uh, I'm trying to establish contact with Telegram, but it's not working, so I'm going to have to do that uh, during other hours, so I can't establish it today. And uh, But I'm going to just do a potpourri of stories today. One of the big ones, of course, is the uh, so-called, well, not the Titanic, the Titan, the Titan sub, which uh, was supposed to uh, take volunteers or people who would pay money to go down and, and visit the old Titanic. And apparently it got lost. I, I, I'm kind of trying to find out if somebody was actually rescued or not. Hard to find out the whether this disaster uh, was staged or whether you know it was planned or whether it really happened. So far it looks like it really happened because the uh, people who put it on were using politically incorrect logic to 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 do to do the whole project, right? And so they wouldn't blame it on politically incorrect people, would they? No, they'd only blame it on white supremacists. That's the only people who could possibly be blamed on. So this is from the Renegade Tribune, and the headline. I'll copy this and put it in the chat room. Uh, the headline is Titan Sub. Ocean Gate CEO didn't want to hire 50-year-old white guys because they're not inspirational. You know, so uh, I guess inspirational versus competent <laughs> is is what uh, is the big difference, right? Inspirational versus competent, and uh, competent is no longer necessary in these days of political correctness and. You know, racial uh, racial integrity or, or racial equality uh, integrity of the the operation competence of the staff none of these things really matter anymore it just doesn't matter anymore it's all show it's all for show for from the political left from the transgender agenda from of course the Jewish agenda. So here, uh, here is what this article from the Renegade Tribune has to say. The Ocean Gate CEO Stockton Rush, who went missing aboard his Titan submersible vessel along with four other passengers. Well, I guess it's submersible, but if it, can't, it doesn't come back up, I guess it's not really a submarine. <laughs> a submersible vessel, that doesn't mean it, it's, how should I put it? Uh, surfaceable. Is that a, a good word? Surfaceable. It doesn't come back to the surface. Anyway, told an interview, interview, he didn't want to hire a bunch of, quote, 50-year-old white guys, unquote, like other submarine companies because he wanted his team to be inspirational. He wanted his team to be lesbian, gay, and other, other shades of uh, transvestite. Uh, article by Chris Menahan. OceanGate CEO Stockton Rush, who went missing aboard his Titan submersible vessel along with four other passengers on Sunday, 
told an interviewer he didn't want to hire a bunch of 50-year-old white guys like other submarine companies because he wanted his team to be inspirational. Okay, so it's beginning to come home, folks, that if you refuse to hire white guys, fatalities result. All right? If you refuse to hire white guys, competent white guys, fatalities result, including the CEO himself. Well, uh, poetic justice. Let's continue. When I started the business, one of the things you'll find, there are other sub-operators out there, but they typically have gentlemen who are ex-military submariners. And you'll see a whole bunch of 50-year-old white guys, unquote, Rush told a representative with Teledyne Marine. Quote, I wanted our team to be younger, to be inspirational, and I'm not going to inspire a 16-year-old to go pursue marine technology, but a 25-year-old, you know, who's a sub-pilot or a platform operator or one of our techs can be inspirational, unquote. Now, what does that mean? How inspirational do you have to be at 20,000 leagues under the sea? <laughs> it should be all inspiring all by itself. Do you need to have a, a pep talk to gape? Gape with your eyes at all of the flora and fauna, 20,000 leagues under the sea. That, that should be inspirational all by itself. Anyway, so we've really tried to get very intelligent, motivated, younger individuals involved because we're doing things that are completely new, unquote. Yeah, well, very dangerous, too. We're taking approaches that are used largely in the aerospace industry. I, I doubt that. I doubt that tremendously, is related to safety and some of the preponderance of checklist things we do for risk assessments and things like that that are more aviation-related than ocean-related. Maybe that's one of his big mistakes, right? Because aviation and oceanography, what do you call it? Oceanity? (laughs) Oceanography? Whatever. Related. And we can train people to do that. Well, you think you can. We can train someone to pilot the sub. We use a game controller so anybody can drive the sub, right? Yeah. What if the what if the sub doesn't respond to the game controller? Russia's Titan sub went missing on June eighteenth while descending to the Titanic wreck site off the coast of Newfoundland, Canada, in the Atlantic Ocean, and has not been heard from since. Now it's interesting. Wouldn't they have some kind of telecommunications uh, system? That uh, by which they can communicate with the surface, uh, maybe walkie-talkie, maybe radio. I don't know. There, there should be something that they could use to communicate with the surface. Anyway, on Tuesday, U.S. Coast Guard officials said that at a 1 p.m. ET news conference that the submersible has about 40 hours of oxygen left, CNN reported. The depth of the area where they went missing could pose a challenge. The deepest ever underwater rescue was that of Roger Chapman and Roger Mallinson, who were rescued from the Pisces 3 submersible at depths of 1,575 feet in 1973. They were trapped for 76 hours before finally being hauled to the surface CNN continued, the Titanic wreckage is much deeper, sitting nearly 13,000 feet below sea level. Okay, that's like 10 times deeper than that other rescue, folks. Whoa. 
Former Ocean Gate Director of Marine Operations David Lockridge, a 50-year-old <laughs> or a 51-year-old white guy, reportedly warned Ocean Gate CEO Stockton Rush that his subtech was not safe and was not fired for his trouble. Ooh. Well, at least he wasn't fired. Former Ocean Gate Director of Marine Operations David Lockridge, another one of those 50-year-old white guys, Rush wanted to avoid hiring for not being inspirational enough, was fired by Rush in 2018 after he reportedly blew the whistle on Ocean Gate by raising safety concerns over the first-of-a-kind carbon fiber hull and other system. Carbon fiber hull. Maybe that's like um, uh, <laughs> a carbon gate, <laughs> COVID gate. They're making everything out of carbon these days. From TechCrunch, quote, a whistleblower raised safety concerns about Ocean Gate submersible in 2018. Then he was fired, unquote. Well, that's how liberals operate, folks. If they don't like what you say, they fire you. David Lockridge was terminated in January 2018 after presenting a scathing quality control report on the vessel to Ocean Gate senior management, including founder and CEO Stockton Rush, who was on board with the missing vessel. According to a court filing by Lockridge, the preamble to his report read, quote, Now is the time to properly address items that may pose a safety risk to personnel. Verbal communication of the key items I have addressed in my attachment document have been dismissed on several occasions, so I feel now I must make this report so there is an official record in place. So I guess he wasn't one of those inspirational inspirational people. He was one of those over-the-hill, or dare I say under-the-hill, White guys who you don't need to consult them. They don't know what they're talking about. They're just party poopers. The report detailed, quote, numerous issues that pose serious safety concerns, according to the filing. These included Lockridge's worry that visible flaws in the carbon fiber supplied to Ocean Gate raised the risk of small flaws expanding into larger tears during pressure cycling. These are the huge pressure pressure changes that the submersible would experience as it made its way and from the deep ocean floor. He noted that a previously tested scale model of the hull had pre- had prevalent flaws. Hmm. I guess Stockton Rush had a lot of faith in uh, inspirational leadership. (laughs) Carbon fiber composites can be stronger and lighter than steel, making a submersible naturally buoyant, but they can also be prone to sudden failure under stress. The hull that Lockridge was writing about was made by Spencer Composites, the only company to have previously made a carbon fiber hull for a manned submersible. Parenthesis. That submersible was commissioned by explorer Steve Fawcett for a record-breaking dive, but he died in a light aircraft crash before it could be used. Oh, man. So carbon fiber submersibles don't have a very good record, folks. 
Lockridge's recommendation was that non-destructive testing of the Titan's hull was necessary to ensure a solid and safe product. The filing states that Lockridge was told that such testing was impossible and that OceanGate would instead rely on its much-touted acoustic monitoring system. Oh, boy. So how did that work? Acoustic monitoring system. How about sonar? <laughs> is, that, is that what we're talking about, sonar? Uh, that would you know enable people to communicate underwater, right? Sonar? Isn't that what the uh, Navy uses? But we don't know. Uh, we don't have the, these kind of details. Uh, okay, Lockridge, however, worried in the lawsuit that the system would not reveal flaws until the vessel was descending and then might only provide milliseconds of warning before a catastrophic implosion. Oh, man, can you can you imagine, folks, an implosion of hundreds of thousands of tons of pressure? Uh, you wouldn't drown necessarily. Your lungs would not be able to expand in order to take in whatever it is. Oil, water, or air would not be able to expand to breathe in. Russell McDuff, a veteran oceanographer and chairman of Ocean Gate Scientific and Research Foundation for three years, noted that contact with the Titan was lost on Sunday after only an hour and 45 minutes. Well, how deep was that? Was that anywhere near the uh, amount of depth that the two people who were rescued in 1973 achieved? That was only, what, 1,700 feet? And we're talking 13,000 feet? <laughs> okay. This suggests to me that they might have still been in the water column descending to the Titanic, told TechCrunch in a phone interview. Now you would think that the CEO would be aware of that rescue in 1973 and how shallow that was compared to the Titanic. You would think, you would think, but maybe he's a transgender liberal. Lockridge also strongly encouraged OceanGate to have a classification agency, such as the American Bureau of Shipping, inspect and certify the Titan. A day after filing his report, Lockridge was summoned to a meeting with Rush and Company's Human Resources Engineering and Operations Directors. There, the filing states, he was also informed that the manufacturer of the Titan's forward viewpoint, or viewport, would only certify it to a depth of 1,300 meters due to Ocean Gate's experimental design. So we're talking 13,000 feet versus 1,300 meters. I mean, come on. Is, is this guy an idiot? Maybe he gets meters confused with thousands of feet. I don't know. This is, this is absurd, folks. The filing states that Ocean... OceanGate refused to pay for the manufacturer to build a viewport that would meet the Titan's intended depth of 4,000 meters. Oh, no. Too much money. Cost-cutting, folks. Cost-cutting. The Titanic lies about 3,800 meters below the surface. 
The filing also claims that hazardous flammable materials were being used within the submersible. Oh, no. Well, that's okay. Under that kind of pressure, nothing would explode. Everything has to implode at that kind of pressure. The filing also claims that flammable materials. Okay. I wonder if somebody was smoking a cigarette. At the end of the meeting, after saying that he would not authorize any manned tests of Titan without a scan of the hull, Lockridge was fired and escorted from the building. Uh, I wonder if Mr. Lockridge is saying, I told you so. Lockridge, who claimed he was discharged in retaliation for being a whistleblower, made his filing after Oceangate sued him in federal court in Seattle that June. Oceangate has accused him of sharing confidential information with two individuals. Yeah, like the, 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 the submersible is too dangerous to go that deep. As well as with the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA. In the lawsuit, Oceangate characterized Lockridge's report as false and accuse him of committing fraud by manufacturing a reason to be fired. Oh, yeah, we all want manufacture reason to be fired. We don't need a job. We don't need an income. Uh, that's, that's all nonsense, folks. Wow. Talk about crazy, lunatic CEOs. TechCrunch reported, quote, The lawsuit was settled in November 2018, and neither Oceangate nor Lockridge responded to requests for comment. Okay, well, one thing is for sure, the CEO of Oceangate is liable, and he's one of those victims of this catastrophe. Totally avoidable, right? Totally avoidable. So, all right, so this next article here is also from Renegade Tribune. Federal judge strikes down Arkansas law barring child gender transitions. And here we go with the federal courts getting involved in state business, which is not their jurisdiction. They have no business getting involved in this type of uh, you know, affair. This is a state affair. Federal judges have no jurisdiction in states. This would have to go to the Supreme Court and settle there. But uh, they're intervening. They're intervening in affairs that they have no business intervening in. But that's that's nothing new. This has been going on since easily since the 1960s. Okay, wait a minute. Uh, this is happening again. I have a different article. Let me refresh the uh, article here. It's... Uh, it's still copying the other article instead of the new one. Okay, so let me see if I can get to the correct article here. Sorry for the delay, folks. This is uh, okay. This is a different article on the same site, and it appears I lost. Okay, I'm going to have to go to. I'm going to have to go to my emails again to get the original article. Well, maybe I could just backtrack here. I won't be able to copy. Apparently, I'm not. Let me try copying it one more time. And this is, again, federal judge strikes down Arkansas law 
barring gender gender transitions for children. Can you believe it? <laughs> uh, but we must. We must have gender transitions. That's the new reality. It's the new normal, is it not? We must have gender transition surgery paid for by the taxpayer and funny money. Okay. Okay. Subtitle here. A federal judge has struck down a trailblazing Arkansas law barring gender transitions for children. Well, that, it should be totally illegal, especially at taxpayer expense, to perform these surgeries. Right? But the Rainbow Coalition thinks all this stuff is good, even though people are dying as a result of these surgeries, committing suicide as a result of these surgeries. Okay, the law was the first of 20 such measures enacted by conservative legislatures across the country. So I guess they just have to keep a pressure on the feds, and sooner or later this will go to a courtroom and the feds will have to give up. Quote, Tuesday's ruling is the first final judgment from a trial court in a challenge to such a ban, writes Chris Geidner in Law Dork. While similar laws in Alabama, Florida, and Indiana have been hit with temporary injunctions, Judge James M. Moody Jr., who was nominated to the federal bench by Barack Obama, there's a rainbow coalition for you, issued a permanent injunction on the Arkansas version, handing a major victory to plaintiffs led by the state's American Civil Liberties Union chapter. So we have ultra-liberals and Jews working together to molest our children. Moody's 80-page ruling makes clear that he fully bought the argument that children are well served by having their breasts removed. Uh, that include male and female children. <laughs> what's the point? I mean, what's the point of having your breasts removed? So you can say what? You're neither male nor female? Receiving puberty-blocking drugs and otherwise having their bodies irreversibly altered before reaching the age of majority, declaring uh, the age of majority, I guess the may, maybe that means the age of voting. Quote, the evidence showed that the prohibited medical care improves the mental health and well-being of patients it promises to do that, but it never delivers, folks. And that by prohibiting it, the state undermined the interest it claims to be advancing. That's a total, absolute lie. A total, absolute lie. Everybody knows that up to 50% of the children who get these transgender surgeries have horrible side effects, many of them committing suicide. They're irreversible effects. They're not even side effects. They're to be expected. Moody ruled that the outlawing of so-called gender-affirming care violated the due process and equal protection rights of children. Really? What about uh, their safety? What about their medical safety? He also declared that a prohibition on doctors referring children to other providers for gender transition procedures violated the doctor's First Amendment rights. Hmm. First Amendment. 
I don't see how the First Amendment has any medical, you know, that's freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of this, freedom. I don't see how it has any medical implications in the First Amendment. So this is totally bogus. My goodness, folks. These are the types of judges we're getting, thanks to Barack Obama. Science, medicine, and law are clear. Gender-affirming care is necessary to ensure these young Arkansans can thrive and be healthy, said Holly Dixon, executive director of the ACLU of Arkansas. Right, thrive and be healthy. That's why they're committing suicide and dying from complications and getting very, very sick. And what happens if, if you can't afford the drugs you have to have to maintain your gender-affirming care? What happens when the government check doesn't cover your medical expenses? Oh, is that gender-affirming care? Really? The law was enacted in 2021 with the Arkansas legislature overriding the veto of then-Governor Asa Hutchinson, who is now a candidate for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. Well, you know I won't be voting for Asa. As he vetoed the law, Hutchinson said, quote, denying best practice medical care to transgender youth can lead to significant harm to the young person, unquote. Again, that's an absolute lie. He also said it troubled him that the law didn't go- grandfather children who were already in the midst of hormone treatments, okay? As if these hormone treatments don't affect them mentally, they surely do. The world isn't crazy enough yet. It has to get even crazier, folks. Current Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders tweeted, quote, This is not care. It's activists pushing a political agenda at the expense of our kids and subjecting them to permanent and harmful procedures. Oh, wow. Sarah actually has common sense. Only in the far left's woke vision of America is it not appropriate to protect children, unquote. Very good. Huckabee Sanders said that the Arkansas Attorney General will appeal the ruling. However, quote, the case will be heading to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Eighth Circuit, which already upheld the initial preliminary injunction against the law, unquote, writes Geidner. He also notes that Moody's finding of facts in the case, including that transgender care is not experimental care, will be highly significant. It's totally experimental, folks. It's totally experimental. Uh, Auschwitz, anybody? Somebody has to bring up Auschwitz. This will be highly significant, as findings of fact are generally accepted by appellate courts. The ruling comes a week after an 18-year-old California woman sued Kaiser Permanente and four doctors for rushing her into a mastectomy at age 13. Well, the government paid for it, right? What's the problem? Along with puberty blockers and testosterone treatment in an effort to turn her into a man. Kayla Loydahl said doctors' high-pressure tactics included the use of a line that's widely employed by practitioners in the field, telling her parents that it's better to have a live son than a dead daughter. (laughs) As if femaleness is deadly? Again, folks, the high-pressure tactics, well, 
this is typical of the medical profession. It's just come to this. It comes to the point where they pressure people to getting cancer treatments that don't work, to have uh, you know, uh, all kinds of vaccines that don't work, multitudes of treatments that don't work, and now they're pressuring people to get, and uh, of course, volunteer surgery has been you know, common all along, but usually the patient pays for that his or herself. And in this case, it's the government paying or some, the medical profession or some corporation paying for it and they get reimbursed by the government. Quote, the hardest part was being sold something that I believed was going to help me and make me feel better, only to do it and come out on the other side not feeling any better, said Lloyd Dahl. Quote, I could always have waited, but I can't undo it. There you go. You can't undo Surgery that tears your body parts off. (laughs) Okay, here's another one. Schools are now allowing children to identify as cats, horses, and dinosaurs. Does that uh, make a new gender? Okay. Again, from the Renegade Tribune, these teachers in the UK literally have to sit there and make the best of it when students respond to their questions with animal noises. <laughs> I wonder if there's any of the, the children want to be pigs. I wonder if any of them want to be pigs. Uh, it's obvious that the students who don't want to learn anything and are there to, just to be disruptive in the first place are going to take tremendous advantage of this n- absolute nonsense. Anyway, by Michael Snyder, via the mostimportantnews.com, I seriously should have thought of this when I was a kid. If I could have answered every question a teacher asked by meowing like a cat or roaring like a dinosaur, there is no way they could have ever accused me of getting an answer wrong. Well, how about getting the answer right? And when it was time for a quiz or a test, I could have just responded to every question with a paw print. Of course, nobody would have actually been able to get away with such a thing decades ago. When I was a kid, anyone that tried to pull this kind of stunt would have been immediately marched down to the principal's office. But now we live at a time when we are supposed to allow people to identify as anything that they want. Things have gotten particularly absurd in the United Kingdom. According to an investigation that was conducted by the Telegraph, schools in the UK are now allowing children to identify as all sorts of things. At a state secondary school in Wales, one student said to to meow when asked questions by a teacher, rather than answering in English, the Telegraph reports. Meow. In other schools, one apparently insists on being addressed as a dinosaur. One claims to identify as a horse, while another is said to wear a cape and demands to be acknowledged as a moon. How about... Who's that uh, masked? (laughs) Batman, right? Batman, Superman? Just call me Superman. I'll, I'll jump over a building at a single bound in short order. 
Okay, folks, th these are the kind of stories that uh, we, our, <laughs> our so-called mass media and our so-called leaders have presented to us. We are getting away, away, way, way too, too crazy for words. It's beyond description, folks. Absolutely beyond description. So let me go into my email and see, uh, see what kind of show material people have, uh, sent to me in the interim. Okay. I, I believe. I believe I already did the one about blacks not being able to get it done. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I'm pretty sure, again, this is Renegade Tribune. I don't think I did this story yet, but uh, I, I've been overworked and underpaid for the last week, so I may have done this and not remember, but didn't take long. Who global vaccine passports go live in Europe? So, in other words, you must have proof that you've been vaccinated by a completely ineffective non vaccine for a non-existent disease before you can do what? Let's find out. Everything the public health experts have done since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic has led to this moment of triumph for the global technocracy, at least for those people who are willing to submit to it. As borders in Europe are now controlled by the wealth... Oh, really? The World Health Organization controls the borders in Europe now. Anti-vaxxers and other naysayers will be banned from movement between countries. I don't think so. I think I can get on a speedboat or just swim across the beautiful Blue Danube and go from Germany to Austria, no problem. This will spread, and I'm sure my credit cards will work just as well in Austria as they do in Germany. This will spread rapidly around the world, supposedly. Folks, this is how crazy things are. They hope to impose this, but it's not going to work. It simply is not going to work. Just like these completely automated grocery stores, where there's no human being present, where you have to swipe your card to open the door to the cooler and get your chocolate milk or your or your iced tea. No, those stores that are in black neighborhoods or fringe neighborhoods, the, the blacks will come with bricks, smash the windows, and just grab whatever they please. Folks, it's not going to work. Expect other add-ons to the passport that may or may not relate to health, such as certain comorbidities or carbon Footprint. Oh, maybe your breath is too loaded with carbon dioxide. Universal ID will also dovetail to internet access and use of central bank digital currencies. There we go. I knew that was coming. CBDC, central bank digital currencies. And this is from technology, or sorry, technocracy, much better word, technocracy, News and Trends Editor Patrick Wood article by Ben Barty via PJ Media. So, the, all the things that... You know, where are the people that have backbones <laughs> to resist this stuff? 
Yes. Yes, Lily. Transgenderism is a religion. Satanism. It's not a joke. Absolutely. It is uh, the agenda of Baphomet, the transgender demon god. Baphomet. This is crazy. Absolutely crazy. Anyway, let's continue. As the World Health Organization pandemic treaties bear fruit, the mark of the beast has arrived in Europe. Everything the public health experts have done since the start of COVID-19 has led to this moment of triumph. Amen. WHO and EU Commission launched landmark digital health initiative to protect people across the world. It's always for our protection. But who's going to protect us from the globalists or from the international Jew? Who's going to protect us from them? Protect, protect, protect. Fearmonger, fearmonger, fearmonger. Boogeyman, boogeyman, boogeyman. To help protect people across the world from ongoing and future health threats, unquote. Non-existent health threats, don't you know? The World Health Organization tweeted out on June 5th. Quote, this is the first building block of the WHO Global Digital Health Certification Network that will develop a wide range of digital products to deliver, to deliver better, quote, health for all. <laughs> to deliver more bureaucracy up the wazoo. You can't even... Uh, somebody needs to do a uh, parody of this, this whole story. You will not be able to use your toilet without your, your digital currency, folks. I remember the first time I went to communist Hungary. This was in the 60s with my mother to visit relatives in Hungary. And that was not a really oppressive state as Russia and Serbia and Yugoslavia were. I mean, they those countries are really awful. Hungary was relatively mild in comparison. People were able to you know, have their own small businesses on the sly, of course, not officially recognized. But people were doing this and uh, nobody was really bothering them. But uh, in, in this case, you know, when I went to Hungary and, and saw how they lived under soft communism, it was just awful. Absolutely awful when the economy is totally dictated by bureaucrats. There's nothing worse than having the economy run by bureaucrats, especially left-wing, globalist, Jewish, liberal bureaucrats. These people have no sympathy. They have no sympathy for the downtrodden whatsoever. They're rubber-stamp bureaucrats just doing their job, and the more suffering they impose upon you, the better they feel. The more they feel like they're doing their job correctly. So here is an inset from the World Health Organization. Who an EU commission launched landmark digital health initiative. Okay, well, they quoted this already. So we don't need to repeat this. This is an inset of uh, something they already said. Okay, Orwellian digital societal control grids are loving 
and liberal. Don't you know they just love us to death? Healing us softly with their rules at Health for All. Via World Health Organization emphasis added, in June 2023, WHO will take up the European Union system of digital COVID-19 certification to establish a global system that will help facilitate global mobility and protect citizens across the world from an ongoing and future health threats, including pandemics, so they say. This is the first building block of the WHO Global Digital Health Certification Network. Can't they come up with something catchy? <laughs> GDHCN. God damn this global control that will develop a wide range of digital products to deliver better health for all. Oh, of course it will. Talk about double speed. I mean, does anybody in the world take this seriously? The liberals don't even take it seriously. They know it's all garbage, but it provides them a monthly or weekly check. So they have to pretend to take it literally or to take it as if it were real. Quote, by facilitate global mobility, they mean immobilizing anti-vaxxers or, in fact, any enemy of the state by denying them entry to countries that have handed their border control over to the WHO. Well, I guess I'm not going to London again, <laughs> right? <laughs> that was 2014 when I didn't even have to get vaccinated to go to South Africa and, of course, to go to London because I had to stop over in London before traveling to South Africa. I was amazed that no, it wasn't required for me to get vaccinated. I said, thank you very much. Continuing, building on the EU's highly successful digital certification network. Who says it's successful? They don't even know whether it's successful or not. This is just more propaganda. That's all it is. Okay. Now let's get the supposedly successful digital certification network. Who claims to offer all WHO member states access to an open source digital health tool? No, it's not a health tool. It's an invasion of privacy tool, which is based on the principles of equity, innovation, transparency, and data protection and privacy, unquote. I mean, one lie after another. I guess we're all equally enslaved. The innovation is that people actually believe that this is this is technologically necessary. <laughs> Transparency is we lie all the time. And data protection, it protects their data, but not ours. It protects their privacy, but not ours. Said Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, Jesus, <laughs> who director general who was a mass murderer before he became Director General of the World Health Organization. Quote, New digital health data protection and privacy, he said. 
new digital products in development aimed to help people everywhere receive quality health services quickly and more effectively, says Big Brother with a smile on his... Actually, he doesn't smile much. He's a real sourpuss, actually. By de- I think most mass murderers are sourpusses. By definition, an international unelected regime with access to individuals' most private medical data is incompatible with data protection and privacy. That is a statement by the author. Couldn't agree with that more. And continuing with the story, one of the key, or another quotation rather, one of the key elements in the European Union's work against COVID-19 pandemic has been digital COVID-19 certificates. A piece of paper. A passport, like in the old Soviet Union. You had to have a passport to go from one town to another. Don't you know? Restricted travel. That, Folks, uh, is communism too harsh a word to describe what's happening here? To facilitate free movement within its borders... The EU swiftly established interoperable COVID-19 certificates entitled EU Digital COVID-19 Certificate or EU DCC or in other words, a communist-style passport based on open-source technologies and standards it allowed also for the connection of non-EU countries that issue certificates according to EU DCC specifications becoming the most widely used solution around the world. I guess, folks, there's not going to be much international travel happening in Europe much longer, because I don't see people buying into this at all. Okay? Better do your camping in-country instead of across borders. The authors state again, the rhetorical sleight of hand. The government first restricts movement in Europe based on debunked pseudoscience, then offers as a solution vaccination certificates that, quote, facilitate free movement, unquote. The government invents a problem, grants itself authority over solving said problem, and then frames itself as the savior. God bless big government. We need big government. We must have big government. Okay, one more story here, which is, uh, again, a theme on so-called gender affirmation. Gender, the good stuff from Renegade Tribute, too bad they're atheists and agnostics. And I think they're anti-Christian too, pretty much anti-Christian. Gender-affirming surgery leaves people lonelier and depressed, says study. Okay, so here's a photograph of a person who is obviously a male wearing lipstick. i got to share this with everybody. This is too obvious. All right. And again, how can we, how can we turn this world back to sanity? It's not going to happen before the second coming, that's for sure. Simply not going to happen before the second coming. It's all going downhill very, very rapidly. The, the, our job now is to simply tarry until he comes. 
be be true and faithful until he comes. There's no way we can change the governments of the world. They're all totally controlled by the international Jew. Anyway, the article says, Transgender surgeries do not improve mental health and make people feel lonelier than those who avoided surgical intervention altogether. Loneliness is part of growing up, folks. It's part of being a preteen. It's part of being a teenager. It's part of being a young, young adult. And it happens in middle, middle age as well. It happens. It can happen at any age. Marriage tends to solve that problem. Uh, even though, if, even if it's an unhappy marriage, you're, you're not lonely anymore. <laughs> By Ben Johnson via the Epoch Times, the head of a facility that carries out so-called gender-affirming care. It's all care, right? It's all affirmation. Has published a study confirming that transgender surgeries do not improve mental health and make people feel lonelier than those who avoided surgical intervention altogether. In our study, the level of life satisfaction in transgender people was not increased in transgender people who had undergone gender-affirming surgery. Uh, It's amazing. They would refer to it as gender-affirming. How about gender-destroying surgery? As compared to those who were unoperated, says a study published Tuesday in BMC Public Health, a peer-reviewed scientific journal. Well, for once, a scientific journal publishes the truth. Can you believe it, folks? It actually is publishing the truth about transgender surgery. That is awful. Really awful. Our data indicate that transgender and gender-diverse people who have undergone gender reassignment surgery feel lonelier than transgender-identified people who have not elected to have surgery. Now, I imagine if you have have stuck with the gender you were born with, by the time you are a young adult, you will pretty much have overcome all this loneliness. Uh, a lot of it has to do with, you know, whether you're shy or open, talkative, you know, uh, non-talkative, etc. A lot of it has to do with that. But in the good old days, I remember... Even when I was growing up in the 1960s, what a time to grow up with all the drugs, with all of the liberalization of sexual attitudes going on, okay? Essentially, we had weddings, parties, uh, all, uh, birthday parties, which were essentially family affairs, your extended family was present at all of these things. Or we had the German uh, you know, group, the Donauschwaben, the Danube Swabians. They would have a big old party just about every weekend to celebrate our Germanness, right? <laughs> our, our heritage, let alone Apfelfest and uh, Schweinfest. <laughs> Those of you... Even if you don't know German, you ought to know what that is. Schweinfest, right? Porkfest, etc., etc. The Germans know how to party and drink beer and, and uh, eat pork chops and, uh, and ribs and all kind of stuff. Uh, no problem. Easy to party. But these are generally family affairs. Okay. So you are likely to meet 
a person of the opposite gender, and there's only two genders, folks, of the opposite gender who is appealing to you or that person finds you appealing. And if you're too shy to say something, uh, one of your friendly relatives, typically an older person, and typically female, because for some reason women like to be uh, matchmakers. But there's exceptions. Sometimes there's male matchmakers as well. And typically there's a, a, how should I, a busybody. Yeah, that's the word. There's a busybody among the relatives who has been observing who you're giving the eye to, right? And who you're eyeballing. <laughs> Say, okay. Oh, Brenda, Eli is making eyes at you. Have you noticed? No, I haven't noticed. I think he likes you. Want me to introduce you? Uh, let me think about it. And that's the way it works. That's the way it works, folks. And then you go, you get on the dance floor. Yeah. And of course, in those days, you had a lot of uh, touchy feely type dances like the tango and the foxtrot. Oh, and the waltz. Oh, man. Hugging a person of the opposite sex in a tango or a waltz when you're 15, 16 years old. Oh, brings back memories. Anyway, these are family affairs, extended family affairs. For me, German affairs. I'm amazed at the difference in upbringing that I had compared to Barbara Novak. And you've probably listened to some of the shows that Barbara and I have done. And the uh, dysfunctional lifestyle that seemed to prevail in the Polish community on the south side of Chicago because they were under the thumb of the Jews tremendously. I don't recall the Jews uh, interfering in our culture at all, you know, because typically what happened in the German community, the first thing a, a German did after coming to America and getting off the boat was to get a job, save money, and buy a house or buy an apartment building and then fix the place up and rent it out for more money than it was worth, <laughs> right? But it was all, but it was fixed up, right? And the economy was booming. We're talking 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, right? The economy was booming. And it was really smart to buy a house, fix it up and sell it, or buy an apartment building, fix it up and rent the apartments out. This is typically what the Germans did. But the Germans lived on the north side. The Poles lived on the south side and the Italians lived in between. The Spanish were kind of creeping in between those areas and filling the gaps between the Italians and the Poles on the south side. Not so much on the north side, but the Swedes moved in on the north side. I'm trying to think what other, uh, what other ethnic, white ethnic groups. Oh yeah, with a lot of Irish. Irish were all over the place. So, but uh, the Germans were the ones who had the most, I'd say, cohesive family and extended family structure of all those groups. I'd say the, the Italians were a close second. The Germans, we had a very close extended family. I mean, we we went to visit our relatives all the time. They came to practically every weekend. We had an extended family affair, whether it was uh, initiated by the Danube Swabian Society or just by individuals. We were always, you know, uh, 
visiting with relatives. Uh, that was an, our number one form of entertainment. And uh, even in the 60s, when uh, television was first coming into being and first becoming popular, uh, having get-togethers with friends and family was the thing to do. It just was. It, you know, television was second, third, or fourth place. You know, we'd rather go to a sporting event than, than stay at home and watch television. Anyway, the researchers also reveal that people who identify as members of the opposite sex experience greater isolation if they par- played sports. Well, I wonder why that is. Because, you know, sports today, especially for girls, is highly you know, geared towards lesbianism. Okay, so that would make them feel isolated because they're being encouraged to be lesbians, right? I wouldn't expect that to be true of boy sports at all. I don't expect that to be true of boy sports. Now, maybe in the, you know, medical profession, uh, nursing, let's say, you might get that, you know, uh, homosexuals going into nursing. But certainly not sports. Absolutely not sports. The researchers uh, quote, Higher loneliness levels were significantly associated with already having a gender reassignment surgery and more than four hours a week of sports activities as compared to no sports activity. Well, okay, you've already had your transgender surgery and either you're a boy pretending to be a woman or a girl pretending to be a man. If you're a boy pretending to be a woman, you're going to excel in your sport and beat the crap out of the, the real girls, right? And if you're a girl trying to compete with boys, uh, good luck. You'll probably come in last place. Just as as many sports teams, high school boys soccer teams, routinely beat the USA women's professional team badly, like... 15 to nothing, right? Okay. Which just proves that sports should be gender segregated across the board, uh, except mixed doubles. Mixed doubles is a lot of fun. Mixed doubles is a lot. Of, and there are certain sports that women actually are better at than men, such as uh, archery. Uh, the women actually excel at archery for some reason. I guess that's because they have that evil eye. <laughs> they, they're used to training that evil eye on some man they hate, right? Yeah, t- t- total concentration there. All right, folks, thanks for listening. We're out of time. Praise the we passed the ammunition. That Tonight has been a cultural survey of things going absolutely ape. Thanks for listening. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.